0: The night has come. A pale moon shines below and the stars are twinkling lights. It must be time for Night Moves Radio. We'll be moving to the brewing music, getting lost in the words, and the entrenched. Good evening, and thank you for tuning in. We're glad that you've come to listen. Good afternoon. It is another episode of Night Moose Radio. We took a small little hiatus, little break over the Christmas time. Um, I think our last show was probably sometime around December. I recorded a poem that I wrote um, called A New Light, so if you've checked that out, make sure you can read that even though it's no longer Christmas. Um, We've got Josh and I here ready to start a new season and a new year with Night Moose Radio and our um, Josh He's got his mouth full. We're having a, a, a quick lunch. Um, we both actually have a Friday off together, so that doesn't happen very often. Um, so with his mouth is not full, we'll ask him how Josh is doing today.
1: Pretty
0: good. Pretty good. Yeah. And how would you say our Christmas was?
1: It was very good. Very, very good
0: Christmas. It was actually quite relaxing. Yeah. We both slept in and didn't wake up till 11 o'clock. Mm-mm. Yeah, that and I hadn't slept in in a very long time. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, I needed it because we didn't set alarms or anything. Mm -mm. And then so we had breakfast at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And we (laughs) opened gifts and then went to family. So, yeah, I think that's probably one of the most relaxing Christmases that I've had in a very long time. Um, And then now, uh, with this particular day, we have an impending snowstorm on the way. Uh, We haven't had hardly any snow I mean, we had a little bit... I think our winter actually officially started sometime around November, even though it didn't start until, like, what, December 21st or something like that. Our cat is
1: looking at us like, what in the hell are you doing?
0: Yeah, we, we normally do these in our library, but, like, our library doesn't have heat. There's no vent. We can bring in a small space heater. But it's warmer in our living room. We live in a uh, very old house that used to be a mansion back in the 1800s.
1: I'd like to see that old picture Yeah, that you uh, talked about that that guy had. Yeah, he's a book. local
0: author here in Arthur. What's Noel his name? Noel, Maybe you
1: can promote he, him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah.
0: Noel Dix. He actually goes to the church where I work at.
1: Is that related to Dix Pharmacy? No, or, I don't no? think
0: so. Um, but he did a whole entire book of um, Arthur and his history and buildings. I mean, he's... It's like his second one. He did one a few years what ago. the first one? No. What was his first one? Oh, it's, one? oh, no, I don't know what it was titled, but it was another historical book with lots of pictures from Arthur. But he showed me a page uh, that had a photo of the house that we live in. And it had a wraparound porch, stained glass window, and women that were dressed in the period-time clothes. and With the high collars yeah. and brooches and
1: everything. It was
0: really neat. I think it'd be a good
1: investment to go halves on that book. Oh, yeah, totally. To buy a copy. We've been talking about it. that. We just... Yeah.
0: You need to do it. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, so anyway, our cat left. So I guess he figured we weren't doing anything <laughs> too interesting. He just saw that we had well, food. Well, he was looking, he would sure. He's probably wondering, what are they doing?
1: Yeah.
0: But so, you know, we're starting a new year. Um, We've been with the Relief Network since last summer now, and I think we're doing pretty good. Um, and Ian's been, I think he'll be starting doing some new shows again pretty soon with The Hollywood Connection and Cleverleaf Radio. Um, I hope to do some more with Soul Stories. And uh, I won't talk about it now, but I've got a really good idea for either to replace Soul Stories or to do another show, but we'll talk about that later. Oh,
1: and, and our compilation for our...
0: Our compilation for... You
1: know, our stories.
0: Oh, you know, our dream anthology? Yeah. Our dream yeah. Anthology. Cherry House Press, yeah. If any of you who listen to us are familiar, we run a small publishing press called Cherry House Press. We're taking submissions uh, for an anthology that will be about dreams. Um, I told people they can submit poetry or stories, it can be fiction or nonfiction. We've had tons of submissions. They're rolling in like crazy. Um, thanks to our friend Brian K. Morris, he promoted it. Duotrope, uh, they are a site that lists different publishers. They found us and they listed us and they listed our anthology coming up. So,
1: and now we're gonna we're having tons of submissions. So I have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I need
0: to. I'd have Josh do like the novels and novellas, yeah. and I take care of the poetry. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, we need to start working. Yeah. So anyway, so if you have ever had a dream or you have a story about one, you can submit it to CherryHousePress at gmail.com. Uh, so without all of our banter, um, we do have an author who we are waiting to speak with, D.C. Claymore. Um, he writes fantasy and, Josh loves science, and fiction. science fiction. Josh loves both of those yeah. genres. And Cherry House Press also publishes those genres.
1: I looked on his official site. Um, I think it's called ClaymoreAdventures.com. And uh, his book series is called Children of Enoch series. And it looks like, reading the synopsis, I read the synopsis of the first book, and I um, at the beginning of the series, and it seems like a type of a. It seems almost like a kind of like it's inspired by the Dune series by oh, Frank Herbert. I'm
0: never gonna read that one. <laughs> you should. It's, um. The the, the X had that. Well,
1: yeah, but it doesn't mean it's bad. Just I know. X ended up being a, <laughs> a douchebag. A d- douchebag doesn't mean Frank <laughs> Herbert is a douchebag. It's. I know. But it, it, it But anyway, um, it's a type of series that's set in the far. Seems to be set in the far, far future. Oh, cool. Where mankind has, has, uh, what happened, about what happens to mankind and, and all that and how Mm -hmm. they've evolved and, and, and become space, a space foreign race Mm and, and, uh, colonized the galaxy or
0: whatever. Well, with you being a huge fan of science fiction and fantasy, I'm sure you have plenty to talk to DC (laughs) about. So, how about we see a DC Claymore? We'll have him around. Good afternoon, D.C. Claymore. Are you with us?
2: You know, I had a dream that I was actually doing a uh, podcast interview.
0: Oh, did you? <laughs> how did it turn out? <laughs> oh, I,
2: I, I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know. Oh, do okay.
0: I <laughs> guess you need to go back to sleep and see how it ends, right?
2: Uh, not at the moment. That oh. uh, would be rude to the two people I'm talking <laughs> to. <laughs> well, I mean
0: after the show is over, not right now.
2: Okay, as as long as we're clear, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, how are you uh, today, D.C. Claymore? How was your Christmas and New Year's and all that good stuff?
2: My wife and I adore a quiet, restful Christmas. Uh, Considering our families and the turmoil, dramas, and things like that that happen with families, we appreciate those sort of things. Oh, I bet. That plus the time is... uh, it allowed me to get back into writing my 17th novel.
0: 17th? Wow, that's awesome.
2: I, I keep uh, telling people, as long as inspiration is flowing, keep writing. hmm I mean, I had my series uh, pretty much done before I even got uh, my first one published. That's cool. There, there's actually 13 novels in the original series. I have two in the follow-up series, and I am writing the second in a side series. Wow! And the way it's designed is a uh, the side series is called Serpentine Chronicles, and it is designed to run parallel with the original, and actually will intersect with the ninth novel, which is called Serpentine. And the main series will give what's going on in the foreground of what was going on in the serpentine novel and the serpentine chronicles uh, as it connects will actually give a some of the other story going on at the same time. So it gives you a much greater, uh, fulfilled story at that point. And after it kind of comes out the other side, then it will continue on in the way that, uh, the first series actually has altered, um, the perceptions and the characters and all this, Um uh, from
1: then on, mm-hmm, and and was I right? And what I was, what my impressions were like about like it? What did it, Frank Herbert's Dune inspired you? Because it seems like that kind of a series that it's far flung into the future, and mankind is is like. I've a, had
2: i had these sort of conversations with people before, in that inspiration is a funny thing because there's uh, so many things have been written and dreamed up that you're going to run into ideas that are going to sound very similar mm-hmm. and where the inspiration can sound like it, it mirrors and or mimics a kind of, of storyline. Mm-hmm. So uh, the whole thing is I never really had the inspiration Do Doom. Mm-hmm. Doom's here. I, um, I, I can see the similitude and the characters and how you, how you would go ahead and come across from that. I never really had the, the inspiration. About the biggest part about Doom, I remember, is the Baron Harkonnen and his flying fat man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the hover suit, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it will be interesting to see what they
2: do during the remake, and I hope they don't politicize the stuffings out of it like but- they do all the other remakes that they've been
1: doing. Well, you know um that Ale- Alejandro Jodorowsky um who they were planning on making a adaptation of Dune in the late 60s. You probably know something about that. Um they made a documentary on it that's now out on the you can get it on the internet and find it on the internet and stream it and they said that if it, that that Dune had been made, unfortunately, it wasn't made, but if that dune had been made, that adaptation, it would have made Star Wars seem like a little splash in the water.
2: I, I, I did realize, I mean, when, you, when you watch the movie, uh, anyone who has any inkling of plot, of, of what is capable of happening, realizes that this was just a shell. Yeah. There's so much more going on behind. There's so much of a pre-story. There's so much more depth mm-hmm. that they really didn't have time to get into that it was kind of a skimming over.
1: And does your series like have that huge, epic, far-flung depth where, I mean, it's just a huge, sprawling space opera and mankind has this huge history and all these things that happened. Does that have... Well,
2: let me give you a little bit of a... Uh, the, the idea on it here. Mm. The, the idea was uh, the, an offshoot of mankind was allowed to develop. Was basically placed on uh, this planet on the other side of the Ursa Major cluster. The person they did take from Earth to create this colony. His name was Enoch. And you'll. This is there uh planet, their history, their um uh, their uh oh sorry I get stuck on the word every once in a while. It's all right. It's like it's like skip, skip, skip. <laughs> uh, this is this is their society away from Earth. So as Earth is developing uh through its history uh in what we know is history, they are also developing. So we're uh, so it's a kind of a parallel uh, colony out there. So they're developing different uh, their solar system, their their way of dealing with things. Uh, we have a yellow sun. Rich, uh, Earth is rich in metals. Has a lot more possibilities. They have a blue sun. Blue sun's indication of metal deficiencies. Uh, they don't have a lot of metals, so they had to actually build their society differently, and they built them on polymers. So they had to develop science, and uh, very quickly, they created this um, everything based on the polymers. They found within their their uh, the planet Rylaxon, which is their original the uh, the homeworld that they had these crystals that had developed. Uh, they called nucleotide crystals. And through their science, they found that the energy can be released through a certain type of subharmonic. So this is really what they use as the basis for the energy in their society, this natural creation of crystals,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, which is kind of where they you get the very first novel uh, concept the the crystal conflict because there develops this problem where they are having trouble getting the crystals so they have this this uh, problem with their society of of keeping everything going uh, so within the first novel it's it's really basically based around a boy the the, the situation is, their hyperscience society found earth and the biophysicist that happened to find earth took back with him an earth female to their society it's a different type of uh, it's a class system they have the preferred, the intermediate the residual classes Um, they have these different expectations in the classes Plus, they also have the untouchable class, which they call CEDOs, and those were considered the dregs of society, those who were considered genetically unfit, per se, because they have this type of a clone, sort of, uh, because the genetics are very tight, everyone's very similar to each other some sort of shade of brown hair, some sort of shade of brown eyes. Blue eyes was was actually finally accepted within the last 500 years. So their society has very tight restrictions when it came to these different classes, but over time they started to relax some of those barriers and allow some of the classes to intermix. Um, this, or this uh, biophysicist introduces this woman into their society. Now, he realizes in doing so, she could become a subject for testing. So he really hides the fact that he brought her back. But they're human. She's human. There ought not be a problem except for one thing. This woman's a witch,
1: mm-hmm.
2: a 13th level witch, introduced into this society that knows nothing about it, that knows nothing about her capabilities or all this. So, really, the boy is their son. Mm. If, if you can see where this is going to go. Yeah. So, so the, the father has this idea that his son is going to be the greatest scientist Rylaxon has ever known but his mother knows that his son that her son is destined to be the most powerful witch there ever was so they have this back and forth of trying to determine where their son's future is going to go but in the midst of all this you have this jilted scientist who, as uh, is very bitter, and is trying to topple the governing body, which actually controls the gover- the actual overall government of their society. Plus, you have an entity that happened to find them not long ago, who is plotting for their ultimate destruction. And you have this boy caught right in the middle. So that's that's basically the setup. Of the first novel, a little bit about the, the background and the actual first novel setup.
1: So, this boy then is he? I mean, the, the this uh, this um, these witches do they do they? I mean, is there a, a particular order of them that dates way back? I mean, are they sort of like the Benny Gesserits of Dune, or or um, are they kind of like that, or or?
2: Well, really, when he found, when she found him, she was looking for someone else, specifically. But um, I I, I don't want to get too much into it, because within the series itself, or through the whole series, you actually find out a lot more about why she was there, Mm -hmm. who she was really looking for, what all really kind of happened to bring about this. Uh, you actually also find out within the series why this offshoot of mankind was taken across the stars and put on this planet to create a whole offshoot um, the whole thing, the other part of it is you'll find out within the the uh, second chapter of the first novel that there's also this prophecy when those who were taken intermingle with those who were left, judgment will follow. The the whole roundabout idea behind that is if the two cousins of man intermix, it's supposed to signal that there's going to be an end to their society.
1: Mm, okay. Well, the the problem
2: is the child is that testimony that child is that signal so now you have to look for it within the series Is like is he really actually or is he or is it not related to him or how is he related to that
1: and um what what are what are um were there uh were there any big inspirations for you in in writing uh, this series i mean i know that that uh, there, you know, I mean, each, each author has a story to tell, and, and we pull the story out of God knows where it comes from, we don't know, but it's kind of in us, but it, that part is given. But uh, what authors um, inspired you?
2: she was having trouble finding inspiration to write. She had commented at one time, a friend of mine, uh, he's, he's, he's been long dead for a while, uh, he had health problems. Uh, he and I, some years ago when she first knew us, had this thing about what we call our characters. We had this kind of a fantasy world. Uh, I had actually brought him into the fantasy world that I had created and he created his own character. And we would go back and forth about these different scenarios and things like this, and my wife would listen. And she told me at one time, you should write these things down. Well, I wrote quite a few things down, but I never really thought about putting them into a novel. But the issue was, when she was trying to write and get the inspiration of trying to write, it's like, you know, somebody wants to go ahead and exercise, you get an exercise partner.
1: Mm.
2: Well... I decided to go ahead and just start writing just so she saw me writing then she would go ahead and get the inspiration to start writing Uh, as it is she stopped i kept going Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of how my uh authoring began is uh totally unintentional but once i started and the inspiration started flowing I have not wanted it to stop. There have been a few tough, rough times and things like this, tough tough times trying to get back into it after taking a break. But, um, and that's the thing, I tell people, while it's flowing, let it flow, keep going. Even though it may not sound like it's working out, keep writing. Because what you don't use right now, you probably use later on.
0: Um, you talk fact, about, uh, I was going to ask you a question. You talk about your inspiration flowing and everything. Do you have like specific times of days or uh, weeks or, or is it just, just right whenever it hits you? Or is there like, I know for me, like a lot of time things hit me really late at night, especially like after midnight and, or 11 o'clock. I mean, do you have certain times of days where everything is just flowing or is it just flowing all the time?
2: Most of the time, I have my most active times, but when I'm in the evening, but I have a normal evening job too, mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to find that. But if I can get into the right frame of mind, I'll usually go ahead and put on some very uh, low, new age type of uh, inspirational music in the background, sit down and actually let my mind start to, to tune in and just start letting it flow. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like uh, after so long, after this, like for like 16 years anyway. So after a while, you learn that there is a way of kind of helping to bring it out and, and helping it to flow. In fact, this particular series itself, this is the second time I wrote it. The first time, it was actually only six novels. <clears throat> and I, I, as I was we're coming up on the end of the sixth novel, Uh, a friend of my wife's who had uh, started reading the first novel pointed something out, and I found that there was a a slight problem with the original premise. And unfortunately, since it went through all six novels, there was really no way for me to correct it. So I ended up trashing my first six novels and uh, reconsidered, got rid of the original premise, brought some of the subplots and sub-premises forward, added more characters, added more interaction, action, uh, plot twists, sat down and started rewriting, and my six novels turned into 13.
1: Now, how, how, um, how many pages is an average uh, novel in this series?
2: complicated because it really depends on which format you get into. Of course, if you look at it on the e-novels, there's a heck of a lot more uh, pages.
1: Well, I'm just talking about the regular print, um, you know.
2: I I, I normally go by chapters. Okay. Um, Like, my first novel has 80 chapters, I think. Uh, one, One or two has 80 chapters. The third one has 102 chapters. And then I start getting uh, more toward uh, 60, uh, 50, sometimes um, uh, 48 or somewhere around there after that. Because the first three novels are the ones that set everything up. Mm. And then after that, in fact, the fourth novel was supposed to be kind of an offshoot. Uh, with one of the side characters as the main character, but then the way that everything kind of flowed together, it brought it into the main series, back to the main character. So, I mean, I, I don't just have Byron Kumra, which is the main character of the series, but he has other friends that come along, other cohorts, people who he will work with and all this, that also develop, will have, also have their own quirks their problems and things like this that they work out too i hate two-dimensional characters a character is to grow they need to have something that they overcome they have to have something to that makes them interesting so from hearing from from the people that i've talked to if it's most of the time it's not even necessarily the main character that they that they take a connection to They'll connect to some of the some of the other characters that are with him because they can identify with them. Some of the problems that they're going through that they overcome, or just something about them. So there is more than just one character to have as a favorite.
0: I'm not really into uh, that role playing gaming, but like with all these different worlds, and all your characters, and you said you used to build characters. It sounds like I don't know if someone had the, uh, I guess, the knowledge how to do that. It sounds like you write the kind of books where someone probably could make, like, a game out of them.
2: Well, <laughs> interesting you say <see> that. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I, uh, there's a, uh, a person where I work. I, I call her my uh, adopted daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name's Brittany. Uh, she uh, has been kind of connected to the story from early on because knowing her uh, she got a big interest in it as I was writing because sometimes I would actually read to her some of the pre-edited chapters mm-hmm. and she got so much into the series. Uh, she she has really gotten into a, um, a mindset about the Serpentine Chronicles that I'm writing mm-hmm. and she says that uh, she would love to take some of the ideas and work them into some of her role-playings.
0: Yeah, I could see that from you know everything that you've described, and then how you even started the series in the first place, which is you and your friends coming up with characters. I mean, I, I know how people would build characters, because the person I was with before did a lot of role-playing games, and they would sit around the table to create characters, and they'd have these worlds. And it sounds a lot similar, and it sounds like you could easily make a game out of your, your series.
2: Well, I... My my wife has told me that uh, she could see the series as a movie, mm-hmm. and uh, even even Brian uh, Morris, he was <coughs> talking one time with his cast about uh, the way that he sometimes would write, envisioning, and all this. Mm-hmm. That's the way I write. That's cool. I actually let my characters work through the situation, through the plots, coming up with ways of uh, overcoming, and all this. And me as the author, watching it in my head, kind of just transcribing uh, what they're doing. My characters are the ones who've been driving the plots, and from time to time they will come up with solutions that even surprise me.
0: Oh so yeah, I, I mean, it's,
2: it's kind of interesting. To characters to actually, go
0: ahead. Characters come to life like that. Um, I was in one of Brian K. Morris's chats. You think you were there? Um. This evening chats, those are usually the ones I can make, and, um, I had mentioned I had been starting Only If, it was a story that I started back when I was 12, and it's, um, each chapter is like a poem, it's called a canto, and I went to write a second book, there's going to be three or four books in this little mini-series, but I got to the second book, and, um, well, it won't give a lot away, but basically his wife, you know, murdered, in the second story, she's coming back from the grave to kind of tell about what happened, And, you know, I made her out to be this innocent little person in the first one. And so in the second one, like, I felt like I had no control over it. And she did a few things that really made me unhappy. And so, but I felt like I didn't have control over that. It's just what she did. So I think when we're writing stories, while we're envisioning it in our heads, like, um, somehow the personalities that we give them, I don't know, but they kind of come to life. And, you know, they do do their own thing. It's, I know if you were to tell someone else who wasn't a writer this, they would probably say you're crazy.
2: Well, the the you'll, you'd be uh, I mean, some people would be surprised when you allow mentally your character to breathe and make their decisions. How sometimes opportunistic they can be. Mm-hmm. So I mean, but it's interesting you're about being 12 because that's actually when I started developing my character.
0: Oh really? <laughs> that's awesome.
2: Uh, for me. My fantasy world was a coping mechanism because I was a very big introvert Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, and I really didn't have a lot of friends. And I had developed a character, my original character, to put him in situations and reason him through. And it was, it was actually for me a learning, developing sort of thing because slightly autistic going through school not necessarily getting it very well this whole thing about making friends didn't quite work out for me as well either because you know how the heck can you do that when you're a big-time introvert yeah and so it was just a way for me to to kind of consider if I was in this situation through my character how would I work it out so there have been so many different plots, so many different ideas through the many years that it has become really secondary for me to reason through these plots with these different characters. Mm-hmm. And then it's not just reasoning through the plots, but their interactions with each other. I mean, the sarcasm, the back and forth, the just, the, the, it's, it's, it's secondary. You don't. I don't even really have to think about it because they just do it.
0: Yeah. And that's what makes it uh, almost real. Mm Mhm.
2: Is because you you can pick up the personalities, the differences, and all this, and it it makes it more entertaining.
0: It does, or you know, they can really tick you off. (laughs) Well, I. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, my, my uh, character, the reason I said that, she, like I told you, I made her to be out, like, this little angel in the second thing, like, she did something totally, I can't, I don't want to talk about it right now, she just did something that was totally off the wall and I wasn't expecting, and that's why I put it away, because she made me mad. But, she, but I'm going to get it back out. We're going to get this second book out this year, so.
2: I don't know if I've had any of them tick me off. <laughs> well, I've, I've had some of them surprise me with uh, some of the Uh, plot twists that come out with some of the different things. Mm -hmm. I mean, the main character uh, has develops a a love interest, but uh, it would, it actually almost became a a three-way sort of uh, interests somewhere sometime later on, because as people interact, they can sometimes so uh, have this pseudo-interest, or it's not necessarily something that they... Um, people from other sections of the country who I don't know... Keep, keep, keep calling me on my cell phone. <laughs> like
0: that. It's okay, people do that does to too. I'm
2: just, glad had, I'm just glad I had it toned down. <laughs>
0: anyway,
2: so, so, the, so even though... It's like, uh, uh, they 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 know, it's like, this person's my friend. Um, this, uh, I, I have my love over here and everything else like this. The, the reader is going to blatantly see that there is a potential, if he was not connected, there's this potential that there could have been or whatever, which adds to, uh, the um, the uh, power not the power what is it that I'm looking for this this idea mm-hmm. that uh, that there are other possibilities and and the intrigue and the possible possible twist that could come later on uh, I did not uh, allow it to go too far out of out of a bound because there again I didn't want to go ahead and and cause the characters to go ahead and and just go to war with each other. And that was. That could have been really, really bad. Mm -hmm. That would have thrown everything totally into into kilter. Um, Yeah, that would have destroyed everything. Uh, That. Anyway. Sorry.
0: That's okay. Maybe your characters are trying Uh, to step forward and say, well, no, you know, what if we did this? So you gotta tell him no, no, not right now.
2: I, I, I could just imagine if uh, if uh, his um, if he had allowed himself to kiss his second in command, <laughs> that uh, that um, future wifey would have definitely caused all sorts of uh, uh, damage. Let's call it that. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> but but anyway, it's it's the the whole, the whole thing is trying to go ahead and maintain this, this, this friendship, even though you, you know that there's that, uh, that spark if mm-hmm. you're not
0: careful. Sure. Um, one other question I have. Um, what kind of advice would you offer for, uh, like, new writers or new authors or them trying to, you know, get their work out there, you know, or getting into the whole, you know, writing field and publishing field what kind of advice would you offer them
2: first for writing i'd just say just keep writing yeah because even they may not even think that they are good enough okay well here's a clue i wasn't either because when i started i had to actually work out my writing skills uh i asked my wife about my writing skills she said uh, uh See Jeff run. Okay, well, that that's kind of bad. So I, I actually ended up writing ten novels, adding things into each individual one, as I wrote.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Learning how to, to describe things, the character development, the interactions, and all this. You just keep writing. You just keep doing. And you learn as you go.
0: Mm-hmm. So do A you think they could benefit... Well, ahead, and do you think they could benefit from, like, the like the since you were, had to start learning your writing classes, like, there's writing workshops, or they could go over and maybe speak with, like, an English teacher or literature teacher? You know, they could benefit from those kind of things.
2: Getting feedback is fantastic,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that, that's the thing. If you okay, this is where I am, what do you think I need to work on now? And then start going in that particular direction, adding it to what you know, and then coming back and asking for more. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is is to keep writing until you've reached that that level to where now, okay, it seems like I am ready to I, I have the skills down. Let me go ahead and just start working on my plots, working on my characters. Let me weave something together and if it doesn't quite fall into place, set that one aside could possibly use it later on into something else. I can't tell you how many times I've had to uh, to trash uh, so many different sections of my novels as I've been writing. I even used things from my original writing, my original first six novels mm-hmm. in, in the remi- remaking of it. So you never know where you can reuse inspiration. Yeah. But just keep writing. And when you're going out there to present it you're going to have criticism Yeah. you have to be prepared to be hurt have it belittled have it basically people who don't understand that how much you put into it and all this because rejection is to be expected Plus, the whole idea of it doesn't have to be fully uh, one way. You could go out there and actually uh, put it like for like an, uh, an indie author, put it out there yourself. As long as you go through, have someone edit it, make it readable, dear God, check for consistency. Because I, one of the things inconsistency I've read through my whole series three times making sure that things were consistent and I, I really don't like it when <clears throat> this person uh, is going through a particular area they reach this point and now all of a sudden something that they didn't have before is now there or something you know is you find some sort of inconsistency and it's like the reader's supposed to just automatically overlook that. Hmm. That to me is like nails nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. You ask for inspiration. Stephen King inspired me too. Hmm. In a way that some people may not well may understand. Let's put it that way. Like. Stephen King will kill you with detail. Um his, his uh, movie or his book the Tommy Knockers, very specifically taught me that you can bore your readers to tears with side details and and other things that are not really related to the story so the one thing that I did when writing is if it's in the novel it has some significance somewhere Try not to go uh, off kilter with some sort of a side note or whatever. There is some foreshadowing. There's quite a bit of, of, of reiterating certain things. In fact, you visit, revisit certain aspects of scenes that you've seen before, but it actually brings out even more of what's going on behind the scenes. But if it's there, it's there for a reason. And the other thing, I leave out enough detail to allow the reader fill in their own imagination so it becomes personal so the city uh, specifically winterbright City which is on Mindor, the second moon I describe certain aspects of the city but I don't describe the whole city so that way the reader can build the city in some particular way with their own imagination that will make it personal So, as I said, that was his influence on
0: me. Yeah, Stephen King, he was kind of influenced on me a little bit when I was younger. I think the person that influenced me the most was Edgar Allan Poe. He's what inspired the uh, Only If series I'm working on. I was more into the classic, I think. And then I got into Stephen King later on. Later
2: on. I can understand. Um, Josh, you're quiet.
0: He's letting me have the floor. I, I Well, I thought I talked too much, you know, a little we take, too much. And, we take turns, yeah. kind of. Yeah. And one other last question I had. Um, I, I probably should have looked at your site better. Are you self-published? Are you, like, traditionally published with a company? Or what do you prefer? Or what do you think is better? Uh, if you wait for traditional publication there
2: is a long wait. Yes, there is also the (laughs) the, the whole, the whole formula for traditional publication is they, they look at it, they read it, they consider the genre, they consider the viability of the market that, and the niche that they're going to go ahead and put you in the return. And the other is okay. Reading. Uh, Reading is a narrowing market when it comes to the, the world of multimedia. Some people continue to swear by it. Some people will swear at it. <laughs> um, it's, it's the whole aspect of the population. This is the reason why audiobooks are becoming such a big thing now. It's like you don't have to go ahead and sit there and interpret the words, you can hear it. But some people love the personable interaction with the words uh, more so than hearing it. Yeah. The uh, but see, it really depends on their formula, on your rejection. If you don't have something that's going to have a huge market, that's going. By the way, that's the reason why romance is so so huge. And uh, my wife was was asking me one time when she was trying to write her, one of her romance stories uh, for my help. Well, she didn't like the idea of the UFO coming down. So <laughs> uh, it's it's like okay, I'm, I'm I'm sci-fi fantasy, and you asked you asked me to help you with your romance. Uh, if there's not some sort of alien, some sort <laughs> of a uh, space. Uh, space uh, battle going on or somewhere some uh, wormhole opens up mm-hmm. and through time comes the Grim Reaper along with a bunch of purple bunnies and something <laughs> like this. Um, how are you expecting me to help you?
0: Yeah, she probably didn't want an alien to come you know, uh, wisp her character right off her feet, you know, that probably wasn't her idea of romance. Well, you
1: know, you, you can tell your wife that um, romance the word romance uh in referring to uh literature it used to be known as very imaginative far-flung adventure but then it turned somehow the genre got turned to the whole lovey-dovey stuff i don't know how that happened but
2: well it could be possible that the women who who weren't getting any action from hubby uh way way back when it, it, the, the action turned into a far-fetched fantasy, so maybe that's possible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <clears throat> you were talking about audiobooks earlier, and, you know, I do better reading the books on my own. I was one of those kids, when a teacher, like, they would read these paragraphs or a few stories out loud, and you had to answer questions. I don't do good with hearing the story out loud, like, I need to read it. So, because then I understand it better and I can see the words and, like, interpret Connect. it. Yeah, yeah, and interpret my own way. When I just hear someone reading it, it doesn't feel personable to me. And I have trouble learning um, comprehensive by listening. So, like, I used to do poorly whenever they did those stupid tests. Like, teacher would read it out loud and then they start asking the class questions. And then they'd be like, well, weren't you listening? And, like, you know, if the teacher would have given me the couple paragraphs to put in front of me, I would have been just fine. But I just, I don't do well with audio book stuff.
2: Well, the other thing is, too, the reader is reading at a certain speed. But that may not be your speed. Mm-hmm. And in reading, you read at your speed. Yeah. You have, you can pause, you can consider, you can even imagine and, and actually project in your mind where the story may go, and then just keep going on at that point. Mm-hmm. So you have a much more control when you're reading the word than listening to the words. Yeah. Because otherwise, listening to the words, you can be rushed. Yeah, that's,
0: yeah. that's my problem. Yeah, You know, because like, I need time to kind of think about it. So, you know, I was the one who excelled more, like, okay, go home tonight and read chapters one, two, and three, and then come back tomorrow morning. You know, that was me. I... You know the reading out loud stuff. Just not me.
2: So, so Josh, mm-hmm. to list all the things that are within the, within the series, we have <clears throat> hyperscience, super science, cybernetics, genetic manipulation, creation of of additional races, space travel, time travel, something I call meta beings, basically human animal hybrids. Uh, Magic, um, some sort of a, uh, well, the meta-beings are really related to more when it comes to the aspect of Serpentine, which is the ninth novel. But all that is all thrown together into a big old cauldron, mixed up, and then put into a series. So I try to be very encompassing when it comes to the whole aspect of the, the sci-fi fantasy.
1: Yeah, that that sounds. I mean, it it sounds great. I mean, sounds like you've touched on everything, everything you put there into is. it, and and um, yeah, I mean, sounds fantastic. Um, and you said it's it's available for both print and ebook, right?
2: Well, the first four novels, I went through a. Some people call them. Uh, oh, I had the word there a moment ago, the, um, one of those pay to, to pay to print, or pay to, to publish, uh, vanity, I think they call them, type publisher. And, uh, the first four are available in e-novel mm-hmm. and, uh, actual print itself. They, when they published them, I could not control how much they covered, they, uh, charged for the book and for the e-novel. The, um, I had problems with them as the fourth novel was coming out. And uh, all of a sudden, all my e-novels vanished. Oh, no. And you could only get them off of their site. And come to find out back and forth was with Amazon and the publisher, that the publisher had removed them oh. because they wanted that little bit that Amazon was going to get.
0: Oh, so nice well. of them. Oh.
2: <laughs> so from then on, I learned how to... Uh, go ahead and format it and put it together and put it out there myself uh, through uh, Amazon. Yeah. So I went ahead and got the original copies of my the novels from my, the publisher, and I put them back out there, and I have been doing five through the rest of them all myself. So five on is only done in e-novel only. I have to still get the format requirements and all this to... Uh, To start the physical novel uh, capability for those. I'm still looking to do that, but I'm still having all these other different things like work, uh, uh, getting the novels done, uh, things like this. Totally understand.
0: We've got day jobs too. So, I mean, and then we're trying to start our small publishing press and do our own stuff and work. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, sleep. Sleep?
0: What's that? Yes. Oh, Josh sleeps. He gets more sleep in than I do. <laughs> I don't know. I try to get sleep when I can, but sometimes it doesn't allow me. Um, we just it have... It out there? Oh,
2: yeah. The great thing about putting it out there myself, uh-huh. I was able to control the price on it. There you go. That's yeah. what's awesome about so, it. So the great thing and right now, I mean, I've, I've had all my novels out there for 99 cents. Uh, for, for some time, I've been trying to get people, it's like, hey, it's only this, come read it. You know, leave me a review.
0: Yeah, and I know. I'll
2: yeah. live and die on these reviews, and people don't realize it's like, you know, this is gold.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I, I'm willing to go ahead and, and leave it here at 99 cents, but just leave me a review. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why it's so hard. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't understand it. Okay. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt y'all. I only have like a few minutes left before Anchor turns me off here. Um, oh, DC... They let's go for almost an hour. Um, Do you have any lasting um, words you want to say your websites, people to visit, that kind of thing?
2: Oh, uh, on Facebook under uh, Claymore Adventures. Uh, Of course, ClaymoreAdventures.com. Let's see, what else can I say? Except if you have creativity and if you feel you're, you're being creative or that you have that spark, Nurture it, use it, do what you have to. Because if you have it in you, use it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I mean, I, I, I love to promote people to be creative.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are great words of advice. And if you've read any of D.C. Claymore's books on Amazon, gosh darn it, leave him a review. Yes.
2: <laughs> and, Josh, I expect you to read some, too, now. The what? Now? Read, read some, too. Read All some. right. <laughs> <laughs> It
0: was a great pleasure talking to DC. I'm sure we can yeah. always have you back.
2: I would love to. You two are a hoot, although uh, this author guy that you were interviewing just seemed to hog it all.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> it's all about you. That's what this show's for, yeah. so to help promote you. That's that's why we do it. Um, we'll have it available on Anchor. It'll be on our Facebook page, Night News Radio, Cleverleaf Radio Facebook page. Um, it'll be on Spotify, uh, Apple Radio, and in oh. the near future, I really hope we can get on iHeart.
2: Oh, that actually sounds good because i
0: have that app somewhere <laughs> awesome okay. so thank you again dc claymore and uh you know we'll be talking again soon
2: i look forward to
0: it all right you have a great day
2: you as well okay bye-bye bye bye-bye.
0: all right thank you again for listening to another episode of night moves radio and uh stay tuned for more upcoming episodes from us and cloverleaf radio hollywood connections and soul stories have a great day bye-bye goodbye wait for that to save and then
2: You can always edit out that, that big talking guy in the middle. <laughs> it's alright.
0: Yeah, I know. I always wait for it to save, and then I I have two other Is recording. Yeah, do what? Thank you for listening to the cloverleaf radio network where you can find shows such as the hollywood connection cloverleaf radio night moves radio and soul stories you can find us on facebook under the cloverleaf radio network we broadcast on anchor blog talk radio spotify itunes google podcasts and many more tune in anytime during the week we post our links You can listen on your own time, on your own day, anytime you want. We provide you with new material every week. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.